0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks, and today, some say, our best show of the week. We take the games, we take the important data, we get a nice little handshake between the two, and we come up with the most actionable information we think you all need to continue to win some money, win your fantasy leagues, and just have some fun along the way. Hayden, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing good. And if you haven't been winning, good news is we have a brand new best ball tournament in the underdog (laughs) lobby right now. If you want to get in a little best ball action, you can draft right now, promo code the show for $10. You'll get your first entry on us and you're drafting from week six through week 17. So a little game theory involved right now. I'll come out and say it. Christian McCaffrey is not the first overall pick right now. That seems nuts to me. Go sign up today. Go get the first overall pick draft Christian McCaffrey and then have a, have a good uh, rest of the season.
0: Love the plugs. So we have a few more to do along the way. But yes, as Hayden mentioned, Best Ball Resurrection, $10 entry. And guess what? You get a free $10 below if you check us out for the first time. Skip the guacamole deposit into Underdog on the app, on the desktop. Use promo code The Show. And we give you $10 out of Hayden's pocket and go and, you know, win that first place in Best Ball Resurrection. And speaking of that, tomorrow here on this very channel at 1230 Eastern, that's on Wednesday, we have a little four-week into week five, update for you. A little report for Best Ball. It's myself, it's Hayden Winks, it's Peter Overzet, it's Eric Beinfor, and it's Michael Leone. What a crew, what a show it's going to be. We're going to talk through those five weeks, talk through the strategies that have worked so far and and those that haven't. A whole bunch of stuff. I have no idea where that show is actually going to go in terms of the conversation, but I'm really excited to have the five of us On a stream together again, that will be on our YouTube page, Underdog Fantasy at 1230 Eastern. You can obviously check out the replay whenever and it'll be in the podcast feed as well. Okay, business out of the way. Once again, Hayden, today we go through running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Talk about context, talk about narratives, usage, and how the production was had in their games. As always, you can find this in the week four Fantasy usage model as we look ahead to week five. Hayden, let's start off at the running back position. Let's look at the Los Angeles Rams uh, with Daryl Henderson. Huge workload for Daryl Henderson in week one. That we know he picked up an injury in week two. Huge Sony Michelle week against difficult competition in week three. And now, what did we see in week four with both of these running backs, quote unquote, healthy?
1: So Daryl Henderson started the game playing through a rib injury. Had a lot of the production in the first quarter. They mixed in Sony Michelle, immediately fumbles, and he basically doesn't come back in the game. So Daryl Henderson ends up playing about 90% of the snaps. That was pretty much in line with the first two weeks before his injury. So it was something where I think that the Rams have to be kind of concerned with Daryl Henderson's ability to hold up over the entire course of the season. But if they're not going to feel comfortable with Sony Michelle, then who really cares? They're going to ride out Daryl Henderson. So right now, he has top 10 fantasy upside. I wouldn't bank on that over the entire course of the season, but the Rams' offense is good. The offensive line is good. Daryl Henderson has enough explosiveness to capitalize on that. And through uh, four weeks, he's the RB10 per game and the RB9 in fantasy usage. So you have to be very happy if you uh, bought the top of Daryl Henderson after uh, the Cam Akers injury, because right now you have to be treating him as like a
0: top 15 running back right now. I think that's a really, really good point. And if you even get Joe Henderson before that at like his lowest value, I mean, just incredible stuff that you could have for the rest of the season. And your point about Sonny Michelle and, and fumbling on your own 25, it was 14 to 10 at the time at the start of the second quarter. Keller converts like this crazy third and 16, and they go ahead and score in that drive. As much as I keep talking about that, this is like a role-based production more so than like a player-based production If the head coach doesn't trust you, we see this a lot throughout the NFL right now. Daryl Henderson is going to put up points. If he's the one getting like 90%, 80% of the backfield usage. And as what Hayden's alluding to, I'm going to say it as well. 43% of Daryl Henderson's yards this season have come after contact. That's nothing. The lanes are huge. He has straight line speed. He's not really doing anything extra. In fact, he's 46th in the NFL in yards after contact. And we actually love to see that. Like, look, if a running back doesn't have to create in his own, that's awesome. If the offense is that good.
1: Yep. Out of 51 qualifiers, he's third in yards before contact. It's just the lanes are open. And this is a pretty crazy story just because the Rams – O-line is like kind of being pieced together these last couple of years and it's really old, but they're just getting things done. A lot of that is definitely just Sean McVay scheming things up, but I do want to give Daryl Henderson a little bit of credit just because he is so explosive and he's not like a four, three burner, but just he's really compact and he could break a little arm tackle here and there. So um, it's something to monitor. I would still want Sony Michelle as like kind of an upside uh, insurance play, but right now it's, it's Henderson
0: and that's how we have to treat it for, for at least a couple the next couple of weeks. Just looking at this, and by the way, in the YouTube version, look at these top four names out there. Chase Edmonds, in terms of yards before contact, that's created for him, basically, is how I'm viewing that. Now, that's a little too simplistic because it takes vision, it takes speed, it takes all that stuff, but let's just view it as the yards that are blocked for you based on the offensive line. I would add, with Chase Edmonds, Cardinals, Tony Pollard, Cowboys, Joe Henderson, Rams, Devin Singletary, Bills. What do all those teams have? At least three wide receivers, sometimes four wide receivers, that they can spread out and create a lot of space, plus good blocking gives you these clean alleys, give you these these clean running lanes. And it look if eighty percent of the workload is going to one back in this Rams offense, none of your individual evaluations necessarily matter. And so we continue to ride this for the running back that was the running back twenty two in drafts as we close fantasy draft season. Going to talk about the Rams a little bit more later on, but let's talk about the uh, the big story this week. In the Chicago Bears, Dave Montgomery will be placed on IR. It sounds like he's going to hit miss four or five weeks here. And Hayden, a lot of people in their waiver wire are going to spend on Damian Williams, a player who took off last season. And a lot of best ball leagues was like a 14th, 15th, 16th round selection. What are our thoughts here?
1: Well, the first thing to note is the scheme that the Chiefs run and the Bears runs pretty similar. So that's, that's exactly where Nagy came from. So we should feel pretty comfortable that Damian Williams could handle a three down workload because that's what he did at times with the Chiefs, and it's basically the same situation. He has a, a injury of his own, but it sounds like it's just a thigh bruise. They're expecting him to play. David Montgomery, more of a three to five uh, week injury, is probably going on IR, and so I think that Damian Williams is an awesome pickup. We've seen Damian Williams operate as the third down back in this offense because they're treating David Montgomery as a a first and second down player. But we know that Damian Williams can play on first and second downs, and their backup running back right now, Khalil Herbert, has no experience at all, and he's a complete unknown. So I think that you have to treat Damian Williams as somebody kind of like in the Chuba Hover range from last week. The Bears use their running backs a ton. They don't throw the ball to their running backs as much as the Panthers do. But – Right now, it's a very balanced offense, especially with Justin Fields at as, as quarterback.
0: Call me crazy. I'm a little more excited about Damian Williams than I was for Chuba Hubbard last week. Yeah. Now, I don't think he's close to where David Montgomery is as a talent. And I think as a football bubble, we should view David Montgomery as a top 10 running back talent in the NFL. And we also need to add that the Bears offensive line still absolutely sucks. But Damian Williams is no slouch. He's like a stop-and-start runner who can create some yards on his own. His angle routes out of the backfield are kind of like extended handoffs. We see that in swing passes as well. He had 10 touches in week one against the Rams. What we really want to happen here, don't we, Hayden, is, is Justin Fields continue to start because a mobile quarterback is always going to help the running scheme. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, doesn't that mean Justin Fields – at some point is going to run the football. I think a lot of that will eventually come if we get it at all in the passing game. But just the attention that a defense puts and eyes on the quarterback in those situations is going to make Damien Williams effective. Wouldn't be shocked at all if we see like a 70% workload here from Damien Williams the next four to five weeks.
1: And Justin Fields could also throw the ball. It's not like he's like a zero passing the ball. Oh, no, no, no. Of apologies. course. That's not what I'm, I'm saying, saying at all. Yeah. No, for sure. You get the benefits of the rushing lanes. But he's not always just scrambling out of the pocket. He's willing to throw down the check down a little bit here and there too. So I think that Damian Williams is at least an RB two, and I think that he deserves to be one of the higher waiver pickups of the entire season. Uh, you get five five weeks. This is kind of like the same thing with Chuba Hubbard last week. If you're zero, th- 0 four, one and three, and you need a running back, it's time to go wall in. This is one of those guys where I feel like you and I feel pretty confident he's going to have at least top twenty top 24 usage and we both think that he's good enough to at least stay afloat
0: next few weeks for the Bears it's at the Raiders it's the Packers it's at the Bucks the 49ers and the Steelers again those final three in those games are are really really difficult matchups but look we even saw Matt Nagy have some manufactured touches to the running back this week and I think that will continue as we go along, I legitimately am excited about about Damian Williams and that we selected him a lot in, in as running back insurance as we moved along. Okay, let's talk about the uh, Bills' backfield. Zach Moss got another touchdown this week, Hayden, to make it thirty three to nothing. The Bills are in this crazy spot where they truly have an argument to be the NFL's best team. Um, they put up thirty five points, forty three points, and forty points, and in that span, Zach Moss has scored four touchdowns basically when the game was completely out of reach. What's your read on if Zach Moss can be trusted in every single lineup out there right now? Because the points that he's putting out there suggest that. It's not
1: just the points. Here's his expected half BPR points in week two, 10.2, then 16.7, then 15.1. I mean, that's RB2 numbers based off of the usage. And a lot of that is just because the builders next to the goal line all this all the time and they're getting Zach yep. Moss involved a little bit more uh, before the g- game uh, goes into complete garbage time. And he's him and De- Devin Singletary are kind of just average guys to me, but it seems like right now Zach Moss brings that little power that Devin Singletary doesn't, and that's kind of what the Bills are going for, at least right in the red zone. So he's he easily could have nine carries, 38 yards in a week, and no touchdown, and then you hate hey. yourself over it. But I think that you can kind of project him for, what, eight-plus touchdowns over the entire year. And I think right now, if you're looking for a flex, I think that Zach Moss is squarely in play.
0: Look, there aren't many teams across the league that we can look out and say, like, hey, they're going to score 35 points or, like, shut out opponents two out of three weeks or put up 43 points on the Washington football team. Uh, What Zach Moss is right now is the lead ball carrier on a passing offense that is totally demolishing opponents and when they run up the score he's really benefiting from that. Yep. But you know, this isn't like we're talking about that with I don't know, the Carolina Panthers doing it or we're talking about that with even like the Seattle Seahawks doing that. We're talking about it with the Buffalo Bills, an offense that we believe in for 17 games. Period. And so, he's not, you know, the first thing that you're going to put out there, but if you hammered wide receiver, if you have some of these running back injuries even if he's only going to get 14 touches it's so clear that the bills aren't taking like the pedal off the floor and they're going to continue to score and when they're close to the goal line zach moss is getting those opportunities we love to yeah, see and, that
1: yeah and they've never given devin Singletary the goal line ball so it, it, that's at least his job and for right now it seems like they're leaning towards moss between the 20s when they're trying to get a a, a first and 10 run in the fourth quarter or they're in short yardage so He's over Devin Singletary. You can't play Devin Singletary for now. I wouldn't get too crazy with Zach Moss either, though.
0: Now, that's also to say that, like, look, in in week one, when they didn't have a good second half, obviously Zach Moss wasn't active at that time. But in that type of game script, I wouldn't expect a lot of those running backs, either one, to put up points. Right. You know, but it's... I'm not going to say it's, it's it's going to be easy to predict when Buffalo is going to be trailing because I think in almost every single game, they're going to be favored. It's going to be really, really fun to see how the dynamic goes this week, Hayden, against the Kansas City Chiefs, where a lot of people view them as, oh, you just run the football on them. That's all you need to do. Well, they're also awful against the pass right now, too. So yeah. the, that's where the Bills absolutely specialize. That's where the Bills are at their best. So it wouldn't shock me at all if they just go out with three wide, four wide, and just – throw it all over the yard and then create all the points that way. And if they're up on scoreboard again, that's when they get the running back touches. But we'll talk about that in our preview show on Thursday as well. Okay. Let's now jump to the Atlanta Falcons backfield. Mike Davis, Cordero Patterson. Let's not get upset about it. Hayden, let's embrace it instead. You know why? Because CPAT's actually giving us some good views on our YouTube channel. That's helping us out (laughs) a lot. Um, Okay. Cordero Patterson, age 30, has carried the ball 27 times for 119 yards and a touchdown. He's got 18 passes for 235 yards and four touchdowns. He's explosive, he's creative in an offense that is not explosive and not creative. And I think that's really the way to summarize Cordero Patterson through four games, that he is the most effective piece on this Atlanta Falcons team so far.
1: He is, and I think we should expect him to keep being the super explosive player out in space because that's what he's always been. But Arthur Smith has kind of figured out how to do that, and a lot of the times when he's in, when when he's in the backfield, it's either dump off passes or it's big pitches, and they're letting him go out and win. And it's basically like a kick return at that point, where you're not really reading what the guards doing; you're just getting out in space and finding big spaces to run. One thing, though, for sure, like this is not sustainable at all. Like not even close to sustainable. He is, he's averaging eight point four more fantasy points than what his usage is would expect. Like last year, the best players in the entire league, like at four. So this is like not even close to sustainable at all. And what, what you're seeing with the the Falcons and, and especially in their press conferences is they're still committing to Mike Davis as their official ball carrier between the tackles. And even last week when Cordell Patterson went nuts, again, most of it came as a wide receiver. And in fact, he had his season high snaps as a wide receiver last week in a season, low snaps as a running back. So they're treating Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson in two totally different roles. They're getting the most out of Cordero Patterson because they're not having to rely on their offensive line. And Cordero Patterson just happens to be mossing everybody and winning downfield too. And we've never seen that part
0: of his game. I understand what you're saying that, Hey, this isn't going to last, but I also don't think it's going to just like disappear. Right. I agree that. Because, And if that means you have to put him in your starting lineup, I think that, again, this is still going to be a productive role when he is on the field. Now, it's not going to reach 80% of the snaps, 70% of the snaps, anything like that. But, Hayden, I think I just (laughs) – there we go. I think as we, like, zoom out across these teams, maybe at times we get a little too focused on, like, oh, he's not playing enough snaps. Oh, the opportunity isn't there. And maybe sometimes we should focus – on singular teams, because, hey, let me reiterate, this is the only thing that is working. The only thing that is working in comparison to Calvin Ridley who were taking at the 1-2 turn. Cal Pitts that were taking in round four. None of that is working, and it's just CPAT making big plays. And it makes sense based on how they're lined up and where their weaknesses are, as you outlined with the offensive line and with the lack of speed and with the lack of downfield arm. And where they're using him in both areas because he's just as much as a wide receiver now as he is a running back.
1: So that would be my argument. If he's going to be on the field more, it's going to be at the second wide receiver spot because there's no Russell Gage and Old maybe Akias. Like, he, like, this is going to sound nuts. He still doesn't have, like, just the vision and the patience as a between the tackles rusher. They can get him on some stretch plays and let him go like that. But he does not have the uh, between-the-tackles running ability that Mike Davis does. And you listen to Arthur Smith, he's saying the exact same things. So at the end of the day, he's still the RB32 in fantasy usage. I can You can call him an RB2 if you want, especially in like a full PPR league. I think that for him to be a fantasy starter, we have to see his snaps at wide receiver go up. And I think that there's a chance that they do that and that they get him onto the field a little bit more. But this, like, the touchdown scoring, like I mean, g- give me a break. That's not sustainable. I think that his his role is here to stay, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be all of a sudden Calvin Johnson plus Barry Sanders out there at the same time.
0: No, I, I, I totally agree with that. He's not going to Randy Moss people out there in the yeah back pylon. It's ridiculous. Uh, let's talk about Mike Davis quickly too, because everyone knows our discourse about Mike Davis this summer. I cited that for Daryl Henderson, just 43% of his yards this season have come after contact. For Mike Davis, everyone in the chat, guess how much it is. And I'm going to tell you in three Two, one, 89% of Mike Davis's jars this season have come after contact. That's in comparison to 73% last year. That is one of the worst numbers in the NFL in terms of a large percentage. We don't want that. That shows just how bad the Atlanta Falcons offensive line is, but it also outlines Mike Davis and his talents in comparison to like what the Falcons are at the moment where they do need speed and he's not a speed player. And he's also someone who can break a single tackle, but oftentimes Hayden, that is one or two yards in the backfield and that's getting you absolutely nowhere. I had a really good conversation on Twitter with, with Reeves about this yesterday, who was kind of comparing Mike Davis and miles Gaskin as like the, the dead zone running backs that we should have avoided. And to me, they're totally different in that miles Gaskin, we knew where his production came from. Last season, a lot of it was in the screen game, and we could project that differently this year. But like, if you told me for Mike Davis that we're getting someone on a Falcon team that in mid mid August we we thought it was going to be really good, over 16 touches a game, who also was fifth in the NFL in targets at his position, I'd be excited. But again, let me reiterate: it's not just Mike Davis that's bad in comparison where they were drafted. Now, Calvin Ridley is nowhere close to where he was drafted and Cal is even worse further down the list. So it's like an offense thing for me more so than it is like an individual Mike Davis thing for me.
1: But I get at the same time because like all of a sudden Cordero Patterson is like threatening Mike Davis and we haven't seen what Wayne Gallman could do. So there's like definitely the bottom can fall out for Mike Davis. I will note though, like, he's still number six among running backs in elusiveness rating. And he's breaking a lot of tackles. And that touchdown was pretty sick last week. And there's, whenever they throw the ball to him in space, he's also breaking tackles. Just at the end of the day, like if this Falcons offense, offensive, offensive line is not going to get better. It's not going to matter. Right. Like he's 48 out of 51 in yards before contact. And it's like, at basically at the line of scrimmage. So on average, he's getting t- t- touched, or tackled at the line of scrimmage. So I'm going to post all of the all 22 this week on Twitter, just to make sure my eyes aren't crazy, but it's a combination that he's not fast enough but like the biggest thing is like this offensive line stinks but at least he's still the RB14 in usage like I don't want to say that he's a must start anymore but like right. there's still an avenue if the Falcons offense can get better cuz he's still playing like 60 70% of the running back snaps.
0: Yeah, either the Falcons have to like completely turn around and you know change their offensive line success mid-season which rarely happens and I I mean I'm I'm with you like I'm not saying go out there and, and start Mike Davis or like it's going to turn around for him right now. But again, I just think it's like an Atlanta Falcons problem more so than the individual problem. So, yeah,
1: I would say that there's a chance that Mike Davis can be an RB2 uh, later in the season if the Falcons offense gets better. And like there's just no chance that Miles Gaston's going to do that just because like it's a body Correct. profile plus team environment. And at least
0: with Mike Davis, he has like the body profile and
1: the elusiveness um, that you're looking for.
0: All right, let's jump to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield. One, at some point this season, Hayden, it was viewed as a trio. It was Giovanni Bernard in passing roles. It was Ronald Jones in early down situations and playoff Lenny who showed up during the playoffs last season. Now, Hayden, it is happening. Leonard Fournette, you alluded to this as a possibility after Gio goes down with an injury, after Ronald Jones calls up the football and misses his pass protection assignments. Leonard Fournette is once again a volume sponge that we have to hate love. He's dependable in in all areas, not exciting in anything, but he's trustworthy and that means in an offense like the Bucks, we have to get him in our lineups. He had a season high 17.1
1: expected fantasy points last week. He took over the Giovanni Bernard role. Ronald Jones is still not even mixing in that much. I know he had a touchdown, but he did arguably have another pass protection. Well, and that's the thing. Like they can't trust Ronald Jones in pass protection. He doesn't look that much better than Leonard Fournette between the tackles, and we'll see with Giovanni Bernard. I don't think that Giov- Giovanni Bernard is going to be doing too much out in space either. So I think that you're you're at least attaching to yourself to somebody that has three down capabilities, who has done it before, and who's playing in a top five offense. So I think that's all you can ask for as an upside flex. I think with Gio back, more flex. With Gio out, more like a upside RB two.
0: Look, I I make fun of Leonard Fournette here and there. And I think part of it, Hayden, is because he's never lived up to like his top 10, you know, pick status. He's fine. He's like a really adequate player. But on a team like this with a really good offensive line that's going to be leading a lot with a quarterback that's going to probably get you in the right situation almost every single time that you get to the line of scrimmage. This is all we need. Like, again, personal evaluations can get out of here with Infernet. And we have seen him for years be a target sponge, be a goal line sponge, and just, you know, creep through crevices like this that we're seeing on stream right now. So I have nothing against playing Fournette at all. I think if you, like, paid him a whole bunch of money, to draft him in the top 10 in, like, the real NFL draft, then you're mis-evaluating him. But now we're not, and we like it. We like it in this role.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was being drafted like four rounds after Ronald Jones going into the year right. and Ronald Jones, is, I think, actually bad. Leonard Fournette is like serviceably bad, you know,
0: good way of putting it. Let's jump on over to the Jacksonville Jaguars because Thursday night football rolls around just before Carlos Hyde is inactive Hayden. And so that means we get James Robinson back in our lives. James Robinson, who had a devastating, I believe, first two weeks who was being drafted. Um, In the running back dead zone, I believe, like, running back 17 overall. Yeah, 17 to 20. And now, if we get the same exact usage that we've gotten the last two weeks, especially on Thursday night, where he's getting 80% of the workload, looking great in terms of picking up invisible yards and breaking tackles and, and getting goal line work, Hayden, we get this magic back, and he can absolutely be a running back dead zone player who smashes.
1: He had 15.2 expected fantasy points in week three and then a season high 15.7 half PPR expected points last week. Obviously, Carlos Hyde probably returning is going to probably hit him a little bit. But I think that it's clear that James Robinson's by far their best running back. And he's been like top five in a lot of the metrics that we like to see on a per carry basis. And I think the reason why you've seen an uptick in the last two weeks is one, they're not getting blown out as much. And number two is I don't think they're trying to put uh, Trevor Lawrence in a situation where it's a bunch of third and thirteens and like he has to throw the ball downfield all the time and just keep getting hit. So I think they're trying to make it a more balanced offense, at least the last couple of weeks than the first one. So right now, RB 20 fantasy usage, RB 13 per game. I think he is a risky RB two, but I still think that he is an RB two with a little bit of upside. Cause we've seen it before in all situations. We know that Carlos Hyde at best,
0: can get you 10 carries uh, between the tackles. It can go one of two directions, right? Well, I think Jacksonville can as well. But like if we continue to get Thursday, which might seem unlikely, uh, given Carter probably going to come back in the near future, um, then we've seen what happens. We've seen the results of that. But, you know, if he continues to seed some work like you were alluding to, like he did in the first two weeks, then it gets back to danger territory. Yeah. Speaking we, of danger, go ahead.
1: Well, we know Urban Meyer really wants to grind things out. And I think no one better than that than James Robinson between the tackles.
0: Uh, just imagine if Trevor wasn't there. How awful, awful that situation would be. We're going to talk about a little, little bit more about the Jaguars in a little bit with uh, LaVisca Chenault once we talk about wide receivers and Marvin Jones. Let's jump to the Washington football team. Hayden, uh, comeback win for them. Jaden McKissick, touchdown. Meanwhile, Antonio Gibson, who was being drafted in the second round, Very consistently did find the end zone in this game, but where are we at about four weeks into five weeks with Antonio Gibson and his role in this offense?
1: It's not good. He's RB (laughs) 26 in fantasy usage and he's an explosive player. And that's like on that screen play where he just took it to the house. That's a lot of like athleticism. I think that he can still have big weeks because of his athleticism, but the fact of the matter is he's RB 31 in targets per game and J.D. McKissick just had the game-winning touchdown. Do you know why? Because he's good in that role. And that's something that you've been on with J.D. McKissick. We've been on that with Naeem Hines. It's hard for these young guys when the NFL is trying to teach them a specific role. Hey, just handle things between the 20s or between the tackles, and we'll let this role player take over for the rest of it. And I don't think that's going to change at all. The problem right now is Washington can be a very inconsistent offense, and he needs positive game scripts. Yeah. So I think right now his ceiling is for sure capped. And I think there's going to be a lot of weeks where he gets you at 82 rushing yards. But if he doesn't find the end zone, then he's going to be kind of floating as like the RB20 overall.
0: Saints next, then the Chiefs, then the Packers, then the Broncos, then the Bucks. So you either have like really good defenses or yeah, really good offenses good. that you're facing as well. That's a tough five game stretch. And again, we all think that Antonio Gibson can operate in a passing game. He did it in college, but JD McKissick is legitimately good. Legitimately good. And you can't just like give that role over to Antonio Gibson, even though we think he can do it.
1: A counter to the Antonio Gibson good in college and the and the passing game was he was doing that from the slot. It's a lot different. Like go read that Belichick quote from last week on why we didn't think that Ramondro Stevens was going to play. It's it's like the ability to recognize blitzers if there's a, a stunt on the offensive line, which guy are you picking up in pass protection? He wasn't doing that at Memphis because all of his passing stuff was out wide. So I think that there is a little bit of a difference. It's not just how many catches he had. It's a little bit more to the things that McKissick could
0: bring. Jump now to San Francisco's backfield. Eli Mitchell was out. Eli Mitchell might be returning pretty soon because Kerryon Johnson and Chris Thompson both got waived from the practice squad. If I'm being an optimist, that is, again, an optimistic view of Eli Mitchell coming back. Uh, We have seen Trey Sermon the last two weeks, I'll say it, being a bowling ball in between the tackles, like bouncing off contact, picking up some really difficult yards. But Hayden, even in Eli Mitchell's absence, we've seen Trey Sermon split a whole bunch of work in terms of backfield snaps with Kyle Juszczyk, and mainly it felt like in a lot of passing down and goal line situations as well.
1: I wouldn't say goal line, but I would for sure say like. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk is their passing down back for right now. Right. And that was kind of the ca- case with Elijah Mitchell with and uh, Jamichael Hasey. So I don't think this is just a Trey Sermon problem. Like We saw right. this with Elijah Mitchell as well. I will note a couple things. One, I think that Trey Sermon is doing a very good job with the visions, patience, and they're giving him a lot of um, inside zone, outside zone, and a little bit of power stuff in the offense. And if you look at Sports Info Solutions, they have a metric called Designed Gap Percentage. And what that metric shows is how often they hit the designed hole at the line of scrimmage and Trey Sermon's at like 90%. That's like very high percentile among all running backs. Elijah Mitchell is way beneath that. And if you look at just how they're used, basically going to have to decide, okay, do we want to run more stretch, more pitches for Elijah Mitchell, get his speed going? Cause he's really raw as a runner in my opinion, or do we want Trey Sermon more traditional inside zone bang between the tackles? He's not going to have as many 30 yard carries, but he's probably going to be more consistent on downs. And I don't know that answer because right now Trey Sermon's not that explosive and Elijah Mitchell is still kind of learning uh, how to run between the tackles a little bit too. So I don't know if he wants the speed or or if he wants the vision power and it's going to be basically impossible
0: um, if both play this week to know which one to start. Well, and it gets a little more complicated when you throw in Trey Lance into this dynamic too, you yeah. know, because if, if Trey Lance is the one starting, then you're probably going to get some of this near the goal line too in terms of, Oh yeah quarterback power with Kyle use in the ball game who acts as a lead blocker or sealing off the edge. And then you have your power runner in Trey Lance and Hayden it's, it's shocking to me because we look at that final preseason game for, for the 49ers. And when they use Trey Lance, like in between the twenties and then also, near the goal line. We said, "Oh, this would be really exciting with Raheem Mostert in the backfield because, you know, it creates lanes and maybe that's where Eli Mitchell could also, you know, use that straight-line speed. It's not Raheem Mostert level, but pick up big plays and then again, Trey is like the power runner. Maybe that's the case here too, but I also have this opinion that like in those first 3 games when Jimmy was healthy, I think Trey Lance only had five plays. Like I really feel as much as we've talked about like the trustworthiness of Trey sermon. I also don't feel like Kyle trusts Trey Lance at this point either. Not even close. And because of that, it wouldn't shock me. I think he had 18 passing attempts in the second half, working in negative game script. If the 49ers this week are forced to start Trey Lance, maybe even for a full game, we see 18 passing attempts and just a whole bunch of running the football.
1: And back at North Dakota State, he averaged like 19 pass attempts. So it's not that it's not that surprising that the 21-year-old that didn't play last year is kind of like he's so new. Like the, I, I think that we should expect this. Um there yeah. was an interesting point. Uh somebody in my mentions forgot the, forgot their name, but if Jimmy G's the guy, maybe they want more of the Raheem Mostert, Eli Mitchell speed to set up the, some of the bootleg stuff. And if it's Trey Lance, a lot of that zone action, that's Trey Sermon running up the middle. He's not running to the perimeter. So maybe that there is something to, they want Trey Sermon with Trey Lance and maybe with Jimmy G, you're looking for that explosive run. You're not looking for like consistent change. You want that explosive run. Um, So something to monitor. Well, we're not going to know unless one of the beat reporters comes through for us, if both of them are healthy. Cause I truly think it's like, it's like 50, 50, of who's going to start, I think that Trey Sermon, ran well enough, but I'm also probably the most biased Trey Sermon person on the face of this earth right now. Yeah,
0: well, we also didn't get a lot from those beat writers leading up to the season in terms of outlining the, the Trey Sermon usage either, so I, can't, I won't count on it now. Uh, and even if Trey Lance says, I think in the second half, Hayden, he put up like 20 fantasy points just from yeah. what he's able to do in that short span of time in, in negative game script. So I can't wait to see that, and hopefully it does happen. Hopefully it does happen. Just let let the rookie quarterback throw the dang ball, and at least show that he can do what Jimmy G was doing out there and maybe even a little bit more because it's not like Jimmy was doing anything complicated. The executor. The executor. All right. Let's jump to the Baltimore backfield. Tyson Williams opened the season explosive. Tyson Williams was the one with the most experience in this backfield. Hayden, from my eyes, Tyson Williams was the best ball carrier on the Ravens. Now we get to week four and Tyson Williams prior to the game. I'm going to pull this up real quick is, is totally inactive. That's after 164 yards on 27 carries over 6.1 yards per carry in a score. Meanwhile, Latavius Murray, we got from news that morning from rap sheet is the one instead being the lead ball carrier jumping from again, 6.1 yards per carry down to 3.4 yards per carry. I'm not going to ask you why this happened, Hayden, but what is going on with this backfield because it gets to a point where the lesser talent to me means we can't play any of the Ravens backs and that feels so nasty after loving JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards and just imagine them in this offense.
1: Latavius Murray last week had season high 11.4 expected half PPR points so that's enough to get him on the flex radar but I'm with you I thought I wish it would be Tyson Williams just cuz there's a little more explosiveness but they probably just don't trust him and I think that right now. You're seeing the Ravens pass the ball a little bit more than we're used to, and I think that's only going to happen even more when Rashad Bateman comes back. So we're going to get to him in a minute. But I, w- I do wonder if it's just like, hey, we don't need as much explosiveness from the run game because our pass game looks so much better uh, this year than than last year. So um, Latavius Murray I would say is a flex if Tyson Williams is in a, inactive again. Uh, they're not going to get anything from Latavia or uh, Le'Veon Bell. So it's just like maybe Latavius, probably not Tyson. Probably the answer is nobody.
0: Lamar's is balling out. We're going to get to that a little bit with Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman in that conversation when we talk about wide receivers. Uh, we are one week into Chuba Hubbard being the starter for the Carolina Panthers, uh, the running back insurance there. Hayden, what did you think after watching his game against the Cowboys? Because they were quite competitive early on. They were quite competitive late. Um, he was the early down runner, but then – his passing game was completely eliminated. It went to Rodney Smith out of the backfield and it went to DJ Moore who got backfield yes. snaps in lieu of Christian
1: McCaffrey as well. So I think that they're just not willing to give Chuba Hubbard 15, 20 touches. You know, like I think that they want him to kind of be the guy that's going to earn maybe like closer to 12 to 15 touches. So um, I thought he ran fine. There's a couple of plays where he made a couple good cuts and he picked up a couple first downs early on and got things moving. Um, but I just don't think that he's going to get like the Mike Davis workload because he looks kind of small out there and they also have the best goal line player in the league right now in Sam Darnold. So (laughs) like, I don't know what to do with him. He had 8.8 expected fancy points last week. That was also in a really bad game script. So I think that if, if Chuba gets another start and we should expect the game to be a little closer, he's still an RB two to me, but I don't think that we should expect like the Alexander Madison role.
0: He's very different than Mike Davis, who we've talked about, who oh, yeah. is a great tackle breaker, who is strong, who is sturdy, who is powerful. I mean, Chuba Hubbard is light, he, but he's still his best in between the tackles. This is a great indicator of where Chuba Hubbard wins on the field in terms of stretching to the outside, putting his foot in the dirt, and getting north and south. But Hayden, where also Mike Davis shined last year and why he helped people win weeks— was because he was very involved in the passing game. And it's so clear that Chuba Hubbard just doesn't have that role. They just gave it over to Rodney Smith and they added an element of explosion and creativity with, with DJ Moore. So uh, you, you know me, I don't like to call attention to when we are right. Hey, and I hate doing that. We were, we were dead on with Chuba Hubbard that this wasn't necessarily going to save your fantasy season. Now, it might be different if they are the ones up like we saw them in the first three weeks of the season, if they are up a touchdown or or 10 points because it did certainly seem like Chuba was their lead ball carrier in those situations. Yeah,
1: and Rodney Smith, I think uh, four of his five receptions came on what I call garbage time. That's less than 5% winning percentage in the middle of the game. Um, so it, it still is Chuba's backfield. I just think that he's more RB2 than RB1.
0: Yeah, I'd push back a little bit on those Situation because they were still trying to compete. Like they were still trying to get back on the scoreboard. They were just running like hurry up in those yeah. situations. So, like, Rodney definitely played over him in passing stuff. Uh, let's jump to the Cardinals' backfield. Uh, speaking of right, you nailed James Connor in terms of absolutely getting Kenyon Drake's backfield role last season 14 red zone runs for James Connor in just four games, including nine carries, Hayden, inside of the 10 yard line. Those nine carries have resulted in four touchdowns meanwhile chase edmonds to me looked amazing on sunday he looked electric in terms of between the 20s he also has 10 red zone chances including three receptions nowhere close to the goal line role like james Conner has but hayden this is again an offense that we absolutely love that is putting up points just the one back that is elusive smashes the circle button isn't getting the high value touches like james Conner is
1: yeah, this this one's pretty easy to me to kind of figure out. Chase Edmonds is the one that you would rather have. He's RB sixteen in usage, RB twenty in half PPR. He's has the fifth most uh, targets per game among running backs. James Conner, meanwhile, like you said, RB three on inside the five yard opportunities uh, per game. It's like only behind like Ezekiel Elliott, and like maybe like Derrick Henry. So it's a great role to have for both of them. I think that you want pieces to both of them, but I think that just in general, I think that James Conner is one of the best. Throw and trade people that you can have, in all of redraft because at the very least, when bye weeks start rolling around, and we know that the Cardinals are going to be up, you can sneak them into your flex. It's not going to be great, but you can sneak them in there. And at best, Chase Edmond misses some time as a smaller back, and now all of a sudden you have a you have a legit RB one. Like the, where we were drafting Kenyon Drake last year, we're getting that, but the Cardinals' offense is better. And to me, James Connor is better than Kenyon Drake. So. Uh, I, I think that it's uh, pretty easy. It's very game script dependent. You're going to get targets and you're going to get uh, some inside the five
0: uh, touchdowns. Now let's be positive. Let's say nothing and no one gets injured. Nothing changes here. Then I don't think anything is, is going to be altered as we go along. Like James Conner is yeah. going to keep this role. Chase Edmonds is going to keep this role. And you throw in Kyler Murray, who is one of the best runners inside the 20 across the NFL to me just speaks to how the Cardinals offense is being built right now. And it's almost perfect. perfect. It's so perfect because they can beat you in so many ways. And again, it's spreading it out. They can get four wide and legitimate four wide out there. You also can throw in Max Williams or other tight ends as well. And then you come up with a whole bunch of space and creativity and a quarterback who just moves differently than everyone else. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so much fun to watch at the moment. And, uh, I'm 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 glad, I'm glad that it's it's rolling. It's it's completely rolling, and it's not going to change. I don't think. Just don't get injured. Don't hurt your shoulder this time, Kyler, because we had this last year too. We just might get it for a full season. Okay. Before we move on, I need everyone that is here right now like and subscribe. There are 81% of you that watch our videos on this here channel. The hard blood, sweat, and tears that Hayden and I put in. 81% of you that watch these, you're not even subscribed. What are you doing? You fools. Change that. Enjoy it here. We're fun. We have a good time. Shows Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday as well. Thanks for being here. Let's keep moving. Let's jump now to wide receivers, Hayden. Um, I know on the fantasy usage model, there were three names that stood out to you. They were drafted very early. Stefan Diggs round one, Calvin Ridley round two, Keenan Allen a little bit later than that. People are freaking out Hayden because they're all wide receiver 24 or a little bit later than that. Should the freak out be quelled?
1: Yes. And this is why the fantasy usage model exists is we're measuring the usage and we know when good players are good and they have the usage points are coming. And right now Keenan Allen is the wide receiver four in fantasy usage. Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver five and Steph Diggs is the wide receiver six. And yet all three of those, wide receivers are outside the top 24 and a half PPR points per game. So they're all very clear uh, regression, positive regression candidates. We all know they're good. Better days are coming. Uh, And I think that there's no reason to panic with either of those guys. Like the opposite just happened with, with Cooper cup, Cooper cup actually had his most fantasy usage of the entire season, but had his worst game. And that was because he was running so pure for the first three weeks and then regression hits you. So it works in both ways. So just like Cooper cup comes crashing down, Despite having more usage, we're going to see these three wide receivers who haven't had that much production, but their usage is still elite, and they're going to have ma- massive games. So DFS, pick them, all that stuff. These are the guys I would be targeting this week.
0: I am. If I am nervous about any of these three, the most by Calvin Ridley because we know that Keen Allen's in a great offense with a great quarterback. We know Stephon Diggs is in a great offense with a great quarterback. I can't say that Calvin Ridley right now is in a great offense with with a good quarterback. And this first stood out to me as a major negative that through four games, Matt Ryan is tied for 27th in the league in 20 plus yard pass attempts with just nine, just nine. And Hayden, as we all know, he attempted the second most last season with 78 and Calvin Ridley led the NFL in that department last year in terms of 20 plus yard targets. So I went and looked at Calvin Ridley. He still has a lot. Like if anyone is winning down the field, other than that Cordero Patterson lollipop that he got this past week, it's still Calvin Ridley. So while the offense might be capped a little bit more, while it certainly feels like Matt Ryan might be hitting that Drew Brees level of arm during his final few years in the NFL, it would be shocking with all the peripherals that are positive right now for Calvin Ridley, if it doesn't turn around for him.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a good way to put it. Like, Calvin Ridley could have a Michael Thomas like season if Drew Brees is or Matt Ryan is Drew Brees. It's just going to take a little bit of time. It's going to be way more inconsistent than we want. The ceiling for Calvin Ridley is much lower than expected, but I still think like a top ten wide receiver season for the rest of the way is well within the reach. And even if he's not going to be like a plus uh, over expected player, I still think that he can be an average player off 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 of his own usage. So um, I I still think he's like a top 10 guy moving forward. That's how I would draft him in like mid-season best ball.
0: Okay. We talked about the 49ers backfield. Let's now talk about the 49ers wide receivers because while he was drafted after Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel is a top three wide receiver in fantasy football right now. Uh, He is electric. It's why every single team out there searches for a Debo Samuel. Because he can win in the backfield, he can win at the line of scrimmage, he can win short, and he can win intermediate, and he makes things happen with the ball in his hands as well. I mean, half-point PPR scoring from what I'm seeing, Hayden, he's putting up 20 points a week. Meanwhile, Brandon Ayuk is like wide receiver 83. Uh, It's not going well. Can things turn around for a talent that was recently selected in the first round?
1: I mean, the frustrating part with Brandon Ayuk is the last two games, he's been running like full-time routes and he's like still the X receiver. He's just not good. Like, I don't like, I can't explain it. I mean, maybe like the only thing that I can think of right now is maybe his hamstrings acting up a little bit. <clears throat> and maybe last year, a lot of those plays were just explosive plays that were like going crazy over the highlight tape, but maybe he wasn't like that dude. And we just kind of got fooled in a small sample size when George Kittle wasn't involved And when Debo Samuel wasn't involved either, because he had massive splits in games when those guys were in and out of the lineup. And my worry right now for the 49ers is if Trey Lance comes in, like you just said, if it's 19 passes again, a game, I mean, something's got to give, right? Like I would guess that Brandon, Ayuk's going to be completely erased. George Kittle is going to be hard for him to be the tight end three. And to me, I'm going to keep saying or being wrong here, but I don't see how it's possible that Debo Samuel can be just a top five, top 10 wide receiver in fantasy too. So it's a very tricky offense uh, to figure out.
0: Yeah. Whenever I look at wide receivers or speak about wide receivers, obviously the person we have to bring up here is uh, is our buddy, Matt Harmon. And because Matt feels like he's early on wide receivers. And sometimes as he alludes to here, a little bit too early on wide receivers. Like it happened with Sterling Shepard and now we're getting a Sterling Shepard breakout year. It happened with Tyra Lockett, as he alludes to, but then Tyra Lockett didn't break out for another year after that. So maybe, like you're saying, we jumped the gun, potentially in Brandon Because when I watched him of the offseason, Hayden, he was awesome. Like, he's not a bad player. He's a good football player. But I also think a part of that is that we haven't gotten good quarterback play from the 49ers, even when Jimmy's been healthy. And a lot of it, once you miss those, like, first you had injuries or whatever it was that kept Brandon you out of the lineup. So it was going to be a slow start no matter what. And then you also have Jimmy Garoppolo starting game slowly. And so Kyle is now the master of grinding out wins. Like we think of him as this offensive genius, but part of that is understanding the flow of the game and understanding, hey, my quarterback is off today. He's setting passes up the middle. He's setting passes outside. We're just going to run screens. We're going to run shorter passes. We're going to run the ball. And we're going to get extended handoffs basically over Debo Samuel. And that's how we're going to win. So until For- that improves... Then I don't know if Brand Ayuk can hit a seal. First things, or first. even be good.
1: <laughs> Urban Meyer is the king of grinding things out right now. Not not Kyle Shanahan. It was and so number two. And, yeah, and number two, um, just looking back at last year, yards per route run versus man coverage. Brand Ayuk was the wide receiver sixty three. So I don't know. Maybe we are too early. In that he's an, a great athlete. The, the big days are going to be there, but maybe it's just going to take a little bit longer for Brand Ayuk to kind of figure this out. So. Um, I don't know what to tell you. This was this was shocking to me. It's like the Robert Woods thing. Like, I, I can't really, like, I don't really have my
0: uh, a good pulse on this. Um, but right now, I'm very nervous. You should be. And I think, again, what we're saying about Trey Lance, if he does start and they throw less than 20 times in a game or around that point, then how many of those are Depot going to get? A lot. George Kittle, a lot. It's so weird. We thought, like, and I made this point probably too much, that if all the pieces aligned – with the type of play caller that Kyle Shanahan is, this could be a top five offense. And at points, Hayden, it's looked like a bottom five offense. It's bad quarterback play right now. It's bad quarterback play. Let's jump to speaking of bad quarterback play, the Indianapolis Colts Uh, got a W this past weekend. Hayden, because of that positive game script, we got a whole bunch of Jonathan Taylor. He converted in one of his red zone touches, but we're talking about wide receivers here. Let's talk about Michael Pittman because he is the explosive player he is the X receiver. He is the big body. He is everything that they need at the wide receiver spot.
1: And he looks really good too. Like in all phases, like downhill or downfield underneath slants, all that stuff. He looks like the guy out there. The problem right now, he's RB or wide receiver 12 in fantasy usage, wide receiver 43 and half PPR points per game. The reason why he's one of the least efficient players, according to my model, is his five inside the 10 yard line uh, targets have gone incomplete, not for touchdowns. I mean, this guy, I watched my USC came down with about every single jump ball last or uh, in college. Looked like he can do that early on this season. And Carson Wentz is just throwing this like six yards, uh, six six rows into the stadium. So it's bound to regress. Like he's he he's earning targets. Like right now, his air yards, his targets, targets per game, all that fun stuff. It's top twenty, like top twenty. And Michael Pittman looks good, like top thirty wide receiver in the game right now. And his quarterback play is just missing him right now. So I think he's a pers- person to be betting on positive regression candidate. Um, I was looking at my Yahoo projection, setting my lineup this week and they were projecting him for like 11 points. Like get out of here. Like he's going to be like a more of like a 14 point player this season. I I, I feel pretty comfortable with my uh,
0: Michael Pittman. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else to say other than he's a really good talent that is stuck with an inaccurate quarterback who wants to be mobile by holding the ball too long, who can't do any of those things right now. And maybe that improves as the season goes along. I hope it does because, again, the peripherals are great. But uh, but I don't want to overreact to this four-game sample because, again, if it was so many other situations, Michael Pittman could be thriving at this point. Oh, that yeah. one throw that, I mean, Carson Wentz missed, that he was wide open and just sailed him, I could make that throw. I, see, I, yeah. I hate when people say, like, oh, that athlete – sucks or oh I could do that I could literally make the throw that Carson wants attempt. it's hard to overthrow Michael Pittman his neck and stuff it's like so he's so long like it's tough speaking of missing open receivers Cleveland Browns Odell Beckham looked amazing in his return after a two-week absence in week three um, he was getting open early in the game on slants and things from the slot then Hayden they put him outside and he was able to turn on a dime He's creating separation and outside routes, outside the numbers. But we got one of those Baker Mayfield games that we hate. We got one that he looks like a walk-on talent where he has extreme confidence that I dream of, yet he can't hit anything. And Hayden, it wasn't just that one missed throw down the field that we got later on. That was the most egregious. It was others too. I mean, he yes. missed him on another deep shot and he missed him in the end zone another time. This could have been a massive performance from Odell Beckham. I don't think Baker is is nearly as bad as what we saw. That's an obvious statement to make. And I think he's going to bounce back because at worst, we're going to get back to, you know, easier completions and easier receptions as we move along.
1: So now that you've watched the game, what's the verdict? Do I get my Benji of the week for Odell Beckham of the 100-yard bonus? Like, he should have had 200. Uh, and like you mentioned, it was m- multiple throws downfield. He's actually looking at air yards per game. He's number one in the league right now, like 150 air yards per game. But he's just not converting on it. And when you're when I'm watching him, I'm like, damn, this looks like the same old Odell that is definitely capable. Sure. So um, he's obviously a bounce-back candidate. He's going to be – if I was doing a, a buy low list, he would be at the very top of it as well. He looks the part to me and Baker Mayfield's good enough uh, in most weeks to hit those throws.
0: Yeah. We don't need to talk about it now. And we talked a little bit about it on the instant reaction shows, but this is the conversation to always have with, with yeah. Baker Mayfield. Is he able to be paid among the quarterbacks that are true difference makers when the chips are down, we you just, you know, match someone throw for throw because, You know, Hayden, he can be bad and they still win. They are so good at that. They're built for that at the moment. I mean, this offense is such a fine-tuned machine that when you see a player not hitting those open throws, it really stands out. And it really stood out last weekend. Um, Next for the Browns, they have a Chargers. Hey, we saw, hopefully, a high-scoring affair in that one. Then the Cardinals, two in a row, Hayden. And then some tough defenses in the Broncos and the Steelers. All right. Let's jump now to the Patriots situation because it's not just at the running back. It's also at wide receivers. We predicted that when James White went out and just based on the success that they had, I think in the second half of their third game of the season, that they might be best with multiple wide receivers and 11 personnel. They kind of opened with that against Tampa Bay, even in the rain, even in in bad weather. And Hayden, what's that allowed Jacoby Myers to do is now be eighth in the NFL in targets so far this season.
1: Yep, he is the underneath guy, but he's also adding more like intermediate crossers. I and mean, you're getting a little more air yards than you were probably signing up for. And yeah, top 10 in targets. For some reason, this guy has not scored a touchdown in his career yet. And like obviously a slot receiver, maybe a little undersized, and like maybe there is reasons to buy this, but he's still the wide receiver 34 red zone targets. So he's one of those guys that the the fantasy usage in the actual points, it does not make any sense. Likely a uh buy low candidate especially just because the offensive line like I'm, – I'm basically ready to give up on this having a potential to be a top 10 unit. They just benched somebody. I don't know where Trent Brown is. The rest of those guys are not looking great either, and I think that they're going to go spread concept, let Mac Jones win with his minds, dink, dunk, dink, dunk. That's not Nelson Aguilar's game. Uh, Johnny Smith, very inconsistent. Hunt, uh, Hunter, uh, Hunter Henry, he's just kind of whatever, and I think that Jacoby Myers could ha- be – like top 20 in targets like for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah. I I think that's the point to move on from here. Now it might not be a bunch of downfield play, but I also don't want to write that off in in Mac Jones's back pocket because we've also seen him do that at, at Alabama too. Um, What's so frustrating is it's so clear that this isn't who they wanted to be. Like they did bank and built for a top 10 offensive line, even a top five offensive line. I don't know if you saw this before we jumped on here, Hayden, but Isaiah, Win, the starting left tackle and Michael Winwood, who's the guy they blocked, who they benched to has been one of their better linemen for the last year was also put in the COVID list, both of them. Damn. So Trent Brown, at re- and we're getting some games Hayden, and maybe we can throw some running back conversation in here for the Patriots. We're getting some games here for the Patriots where they should be able to run. I mean, it's the Cowboys, it's the jets, it's the chargers, like these should be, hey, establish the identity you, you want it to be. But also in this passing game, without James White, who's taking that now? Because we saw J.J. Taylor go down. Brandon Bolden is like the biggest special teams guy of all time. And maybe Damon Harris is getting a little bit more of that. But really the path of where we drafted all these players, the path to success is nothing like we could have imagined. But Jacoby Myers might be the only one that can really get there.
1: Yeah, to me, Jacoby Myers is way better than Nelson Aguilar, and he's in. He wins in the ways where Mac Jones is winning right now, and I don't think that's going to change too much. So, I think that that Jacoby in full PPR wide receiver three, hopefully, hit this bad, bad, bad career touchdown buck, starts breaking um, in his favor.
0: All right, let's jump to the Dallas Cowboys, Um, a team, Hayden, that we talk about their offense all the time. We know their passing game weapons. But Amari Cooper is still getting home, and C.D. Lamb is not. Again, I want to reiterate, it can feel like a lot, but we're just four games into this season. And it's really drastically different between the two right now, where in week one, C.D. Lamb was a monster in terms of his targets. But in the past two weeks, the Cowboys have only combined for 48 passes in those two games. And because of that, C.D. really hasn't been able to get home.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the things I wanted to showcase is right now, the Cowboys are just outside the top 10 in neutral pass rate. And that's something that we probably weren't expecting. And I think there's a couple of reasons why the Cowboys offensive line looks better than probably what, what we thought. The right tackle spot looks good. Tyron Smith is back and uh, Zeke looks much better too. So they're becoming more balanced than we were, what we were expecting. They're still running a ton of plays. We know that CD Lamb's good. We know that Mark Cooper, when he's healthy, is good but right now they just are getting so much out of the ground game that they're not having to rely on cd lamb and the other note is the cowboys defense looks way better so they're not going to be like last year where they're just immediately down the scoreboard uh 17 to 28 it's getting closer games neutral game scripts and we're not seeing dak prescott have to go crazy um every single quarter
0: yeah i mean 22 pass attempts from dak prescott especially when it felt like a tight end screen was every other play in this game. Yes. Like it just, some players aren't going to get home to me. There is no reason to panic on CD lamb. He's still an incredible talent. Who's moving extremely well. And I understand he like helped you win in week one, when that was like trying to keep up with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But again, we just have to look very small, just 48 passes over two games. We see Jared Goff attempt, like 48 passes in negative game script every single week. Like, yeah. And again, Amari getting this touchdown saved his week, especially coming off like a hamstring injury where he, he was in and out of the lineup. It happens. This is just something I think we look back in in, in four weeks and gonna say like, oh, that was just a difficult two-game stretch there for CeeDee Lamb. Hopefully you had A.J. Green to fill in your lineup in those two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Where would you draft
1: uh, for best ball resurrection? You got drafts right now in the lobby. Where would you be drafting CeeDee Lamb? Because he was what, like the, the wide receiver 10, wide receiver 12, and he's not anywhere that near that in per game or in fantasy usage. And that's with Michael Gallup um expected to return. So I don't know. I don't know where you draft the guy. Like clearly the upsides are there, but if they're going to be this run heavy versus our like preseason expectations, I think that he's probably a lot closer, to, like wide receiver 15 to 20
0: than he is like wide receiver 10. Well, he's being drafted as wide receiver 10 in best ball resurrection right now. Still, that feels aggressive. That feels aggressive. Well, it's, it's ahead of Calvin Ridley. It's ahead of Keenan Allen. That's a hair ahead of, of Teddy McLaurin maybe it is a little aggressive but and it's six spots ahead of Amari Cooper I would be taking Amari Cooper ahead of C.D. Lamb I mean we, we've we talked to our buddy Jeff Kavanaugh, who's does a great job covering the Cowboys there locally and he was wondering why all offseason Amari Cooper is being drafted after C.D. Lamb because Amari is still their top wide receiver both can get home but I think even in games like this like we just saw where there's you know not throwing as much as we would like them to Amari still can do it. So yeah, I I have no concerns though with CD, by the way, best ball resurrection. Some of your teams haven't made it. Some of your teams are bad. And especially if they're good, use some of that positive energy, go and play best ball resurrection. It's in the lobby right now, $10 to enter. There it is. A hundred thousand dollars in prizes. It starts in week seven, Goes through 17 games of the calendar, rest of season. And the drafts are so much more difficult, so much more different as well. So uh, it's fun. Go and try it out. Free 10 bucks. Use promo code the show. All right. What should we do? Next up, let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars wide receivers, Hayden. I know Thursday feels like a long time ago, but some massive things change. We know Marvin Jones because early and often, Lawrence is throwing down the field. Marvin Jones is still being a really, really solid contributor because he's their best deep ball threat. Now, D.J. Chark goes down, who is also being their intermediate and downfield player. And so we saw LaVisca Chenault have his best game of the season. I believe it was six or seven catches, 99 yards, two downfield routes and two downfield targets. Hayden, I'll ask this point blank. Do you think his role has changed or will it change without D.J. Chark in the lineup?
1: Yes, he'll have more targets in general. I think that there's a chance that he plays more 12 personnel, and he was getting zero of those two tight end sets action previously because like right now it's like Tavon Austin's their, their wide receiver three, and he's not really like a 12 personnel wide receiver when you think about like the typical role. And when I rewatched the game on All-22, a lot of the action LaVisca Shadalt was getting was these cover one and cover three beaters against the Bengals, and that's what they run down the scene and like getting vertical and stuff. And so yeah. I haven't really seen that too often. Like, yes, you're gonna get some some screens, you're gonna get some bubble screens. They were doing all that stuff with LaVisca, but if you just get one more target on an intermediate cross or a fade route because of uh they want to have those passes in DJ Chark they don't really have a replacement for right now because like that's just not Tavon Austin's game either. I think there is a chance that they can get LaVisca Chanel, his a dot up a little bit. So um I'm in a league where LaVisca Chenault just got dropped last week. <laughs> I'm all in on the fab dollars for LaVisca Chanel. I think that there's a chance that he can kind of backdoor his way into like wide receiver three flex production.
0: I think there's some nuance to this conversation because he's not a DJ Chark replacement in terms of alignment. Right. Like I, He's not going to be an outside receiver. I, in fact, once DJ Chark went down, Tavon Austin played that outside receiver spot. I went back and watched all of his targets, all of his receptions last week. I mean, it was a tunnel screen. It was a slot vertical target. Then it was a motion and another vertical shot on a Trevor Lawrence rollout. Then DJ Chark goes out. Played outside on that third and goal with Tavon Austin in the slot. Then that was a catch that he fell down at the one yard line. Outside a bunch set, converts on the third and three. And then continues to play like in the slot in these third and two conversions as well. I think the biggest difference was when we zoom in for that one game, two vertical catches, which those air yards can happen either other weeks as well, but even more so, he was catching the ball and he yeah. was breaking tackles. Like, that was the biggest difference in his game. I don't think we're going to... Look, maybe when they go multiple tight end sets, he is the wide receiver that's out there in, in 12 personnel, but I would be shocked if we see a transformed role here. And it, the yeah. answer is probably going to lie somewhere in the middle unless he in Terms of production, unless he you know scores some of those touchdowns inside the 10-yard line.
1: Yeah, he's still a slot receiver, he's still his best underneath and breaking tackles when he's so strong. But I do think that he could play a little more outside on some random personnel packages. And I think that there's some concepts that he was not running the deep out, and yeah. maybe in some of those, he is running that. Um, so I think that if you're a LaVisca Chenault, uh, manager, you want Tavon Austin as that wide receiver three because Tavon Austin is not giving you the DJ Shark stuff, you know. So I think that you want that so Levisca Chinnolt can have those fifteen yard uh, targets as well. So I think that this was the perfect break for him to get back there. He was not going to make it this year. And I think this was like the one way that I was going to
0: get there. I, I think that's a great point too. And while the nuance is different from the alignment, I do think replacement in terms of more opportunities. I think that's destined to happen because when you have a a good talent like DJ Chark who siphons some of those opportunities and the downgrade to whoever's going to take his role, then automatically hopefully Visca gets more opportunities and Marvin Jones gets more opportunities. Okay. We have a number of more names and we are over an hour in let's jump. Now, do you want to talk about Corey Davis, Corey Davis? I think it's back Hayden to easily being the number one target for, for Zach Wilson. Like we saw it in week one, I mean, and there was just a buzzsaw of of tough performances for Zach Wilson to get and put his brand in a blender. The Panthers, the 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 Bills. It was also the the Patriots, and now this week you got the Titans, who were really hit or miss defensively. And we also saw like the game slow down for Zach Wilson, and that means good things for Corey Davis, who again I think could finish the season as I don't know top twenty in targets as well.
1: Yep, right now he's. Wide receiver 33 in targets per game, wide receiver 23 in air yards, and that includes some of the worst quarterbacking you'll ever see. And we should expect, like, Zach Wilson to be a post-by-rookie bump candidate. And I also was thinking about this, too. What if it's just, like, the receivers of the quarterbacks that get the bump uh, after the bye week, too? So I think that Corey Davis is somebody that should be a wide receiver three flex, especially with um, Elijah Moore's sideline. They used Jameson Crowder a ton. Jameson Crowder right now actually – is number two in the fantasy usage model. That's a one-game sample. Do not go crazy with that. But we saw Zach Wilson can make all the throws. And hopefully, if he just starts figuring out the timing, what is NFL open? How do I set my protections? What does a blitzer mean for me? That they can get the ball to Corey Davis. I think that Corey Davis is a good player. I think that right now, um, he was an okay value. I think that he's going to be more of a wide receiver three flex than somebody that you can keep on your bench.
0: Yeah, just hopefully, like he did in this game, Zach Wilson's processing picks up a little bit, and like when he passed the football, he's not immediately getting pressured or sacked like he was in those first few games. Uh, let's jump to a rookie wide receiver in Devonte Smith. Um, Hayden, we have alluded to it on this very show that a big Devonte Smith game was coming, and we got that. I think against the Chiefs for over a hundred yards, and Devonte Smith looks incredible now. Cool. I don't know if it's going to be maximized on a weekly basis on the Philadelphia Eagles offense, because right now the short passing game is a major part of, of the system. And I think you see that a lot when you look at Jalen hurts charts in the short, right sections of the field, because you know, that leverages where the offensive line can be successful tight ends as blockers, you know, kind of extension of the running game, but Jalen Hurts also made a ton of plays outside of structure and down the field this past week. And more importantly, Devonte Smith's been getting open week after week after week.
1: I have not got to the last game, but I'm super excited. Apparently Jalen Hurts played really well. Um, and Devonte Smith, I saw a couple insane plays diving out so lengthy, so nasty at the top of his route and at the line of scrimmage wide receiver, 24 targets, wide receiver, 12 air yards, wide receiver, 12 air yards for a rookie. Um, And the other thing to note is the Eagles are number one in neutral pass rate right now on first and second downs in neutral situations. That is absurd. Um, So Devonta Smith is clearly their number one uh, wide receiver. He just happens to be the wide receiver 76 in red zone target. So that will correct. The air yards are there. We know he's good. I think that we should expect a lot of ceiling games from Devonta Smith, more as like a boom, bust, flex guy. But I think that he's somebody that you would rather have than not have.
0: I showed the clip. He's so good at creating space at the top of his routes. I mean, it is digs ask it's Justin Jefferson ask just how he can, you know, slow his pace, put his foot in the dirt, have the cornerback still, you know, run past him and then boom, turn on a dime. And he eats so much ground too, when he gets the ball in his hands, like that first or second stride takes him up the field immediately. And like you alluded to with the air yards, he's tied for third in the NFL right now in uh in, in 20 plus yard targets. Again, the passing game right now is inconsistent. And while Jalen Hurts is a monster in fantasy football and can put up games like this against the Chiefs, we've also seen some really bad performances so far at times and stretches of series for Jalen Hurts. So that, that inconsistency right now is hurting is hurting Devontae Smith.
1: I'll give you a quick Jalen Rager update. He's 84th out of 95 wide receivers in yards per hour.
0: Uh, the boat is still turning on Jalen Rager. Uh, a few more, maybe some quick hitters. Allen Robinson here. Um, and we saw that Darno Mooney was a big deal when Justin Fields got into the lineup, targeted early and often. I think in defense for Allen Robinson, week one was not an NFL offense with Andy Dalton out there. Week three was not an NFL offense when Justin Fields had his first start out there. And then we get to week four, and there are just 17 attempts on the Bears overall. But I think moving forward, if we still get Justin Fields starting, he finally has a chance to expand his game.
1: Yes, I think there are structural issues for Allen Robinson right now. The Bears are 31st in passes, and I'm not sure if they want that to change. Like, I think they're like trying to hide this pass game, and it's super frustrating for Allen Robinson. At least we know uh, Justin Fields could throw the long ball. I just watched that game. Man, oh, yeah. Like those 15-plus yard throws that Justin Fields can create is is really sick. Uh, imagine other,
0: asking him to run the exact same offense Andy Dalton was.
1: Yeah, I know. It was crazy. But uh Allen Robinson, I also noticed his contested catch rate is way down this year. And I think that's probably something that is probably pretty volatile. And we know that Allen Robinson is a good, good contested catch player, but it's at like half the rate as like normal rates. Um so maybe that's just something where he's getting unlucky in some of these contested catch things, and there is an avenue. But the the 31st in pass attempts is That's not great. Like that's
0: hard to overcome. Even if you are Al Robinson. Kadarius Tony was drafted as the wide receiver 99 this summer. Hayden right now, he is second in the NFL in forced missed tackles at the wide receiver position just after Rondell Moore. And that's on only 120 snaps. Hey, I thought he looked great in the slot against the new Orleans saints, 36 snaps in week one played 31 snaps there last week. 47 in total this entire season playing on the outside. So while I think there's a lot of promise there with Kadarius, Tony, while there were some really good flashes, how does this bode for him? Once Sterling Shepard comes back, because he was absolutely balling in that slot and you would expect him to reclaim that role immediately. Once healthy again.
1: (laughs) Yes. I think that they could put Kadarius, Tony at the Z spot or Sterling Shepard out wide a little bit and kind of rotate the, 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 those guys, I think that they need to get Darius Slayton off the field. And I would use Darius Slayton kind of like in the Sh- Deshaun Jackson role where you're on the field. It's like, you're doing one thing. You're going downfield and you're only playing 20, 20 routes per game, but that's your designed role. I thought Kadarius Tony was way too good, way too good in, in week four to not play 50% of the snaps moving forward. Even with all those guys out there, it was a lot of slot stuff. It was some slant routes. There was a lot of yards after the catch. Um, but he was also winning off the line of scrimmage, like it's like man coverage, like the, that's what the Saints run. Um, so they're gonna gimmick some stuff to him, but like it's it's obvious, like that that explosiveness and elusiveness is like very clear. Like anybody could watch that game and tell that like this guy has um, some potential. So uh, I think right now he's probably like a wide receiver four if those guys are out. Um, but I think it's too good to to keep him off the field when those guys even come back.
0: I'm glad we're seeing it now too in week four and heading into week five versus like this popping up on week 10 or week 11, because you would hope that there'd be something involved. Like when you draft Kadarius Tony, you know, some creativity is going to be necessary, especially when the plan all along was to have Sterling Shepard play in the slot already. And, you know, Kenny Galladay winning as a bigger body on the outside. I just don't know if I understand the entire thought process of Joe Judge and Jason Garrett and Dave sure. Gettleman, but where he won in college, Kadarius Tony won in week four as well against the Saints. And I think that's all we can expect. It's pretty point. similar to, to Rondale Moore. Like obviously yeah. the Cardinals
1: offense is way better, but like it's a, a good wide receiver four. That's a slot guy. That's just, there's a lot of other targets to go around, but they, they deserve more snaps. We just got to figure out at the expense of who.
0: Curtis Samuel returned for Washington, played very, very few snaps. Hayden, I think that is absolutely going to expand as we go forward because everything that we love about Curtis Samuel, I think he put out there On the field now, I think you have 80% Ryan Fitzpatrick out there and and Taylor Heineke in terms of player who's extending everything, who Terry McLaurin had an amazing day, should have been even better because of some awful throws. So that uh, in and of itself is going to kind of lower the efficiency of of both of these players. But hopefully in the near future, we have a 90%, 90% snap Curtis Samuel because it's so clear, especially with Logan Thomas ailing right now, they need someone other than Terry McLaurin on the field.
1: So in his debut, 38% of the routes he was out there for, and a lot of those routes, they were just immediately peppering him with the ball. So that was a good sign to get him out there. The other thing is 52% of his his snaps came in the slot. So they're kind of going back and forth. Is he, or out wide? Is is he a slot receiver? Is he out wide? He's probably gonna do a little bit of both. And it's gonna depend on the uh, health of Diami Brown. It's gonna happen- or depend on uh, Logan Thomas, who's probably going to be week to week right now. But I think that the fact that they got him out there for a few snaps last week, probably means he's going to be closer what 75% of the snaps this next week. So we'll learn a lot more. I don't think that he's going to be a fantasy starter ultimately just because it's Taylor Heineke. And I just don't know where you're going to get with Terry McLaurin balling out that much, but I think that there will be some explosiveness and the Washington football team definitely needs that. Logan Thomas is going to miss some time.
0: Well, And Scott even like put him in jet motion and motion in the backfield and all that kind of stuff. Look, if Scott Turner wants the ball to get to Curtis Samuel, the ball is going to get to Curtis Samuel. Like he did that in Carolina when like Will Greer and other players were back there at quarterback and that can happen with, with Taylor Heineke too. So that it was a good first debut in terms of all the negatives all summer long for Curtis Samuel. He even made some uh, first down conversions. Uh, Let's close out the wide receiver group with the Ravens. Um, Marquise Brown, and I'm gonna pull up, I think this figure out I'll bring it up here in a moment from Sigmund Bloom, where right now Marquise Brown, I believe, is the wide receiver nine, Hayden, correct me if I'm wrong, in fantasy points per game. This is a player I had like a massive blind spot on all season long. But a major part of this, and we keep saying it, but it needs to bear repeating because Lamar Jackson is just an absolute baller. I mean, in 15 games last season, Lamar Jackson attempted 52 20-plus-yard passes through four games this year. Hayden, he's already attempted 24. That's good for third most in the NFL. What they're doing with Marquise Brown is getting him in the slot, letting him attack vertical routes and split safeties and getting him isolated and all that good stuff. And if he just caught, like, one or all three of those Lions touchdowns, he'd be the number one fantasy scorer at the position. That's crazy to think about with Hollywood Brown.
1: Yeah, and like you said, Lamar's just slinging it. And he's pretty accurate on him, too, Like compared to just the rest of the NFL on those throws. He's he's pretty money. So um, I guess the the real debate here with Marquise Brown is, one, how sustainable is this? Because right now he's the wide receiver 31 in usage and the wide receiver 14 in fantasy points and um, top 10 efficiency. But Rashad Bateman, in theory, a target hog X receiver that can win 5 to 15 yards down the field, what is that going to mean? So are we going to see the Ravens pass the ball more when Rashad Bateman comes back? Or is it going to be the same amount of pass attempts, but now all of a sudden, instead of the third wide receiver um, that Marquise Brown's competing against, now it's like a legit potential number one receiver. So um, I don't know what to do. Marquise Brown looks pretty good. He's winning downfield. Lamar looks incredible once again. So you want pizza of this offense. I'm just It's like a target share game. Who's going to be the loser here?
0: It's going to be fascinating to monitor because I think, again, the vision was to get Rashad Bateman as this outside-to-inside player, a lot of short-to-intermediate routes who can also win downfield as well, but someone who's just like powerful after the catch. And we've seen some manufactured touches to like Devin DuVernay. We've seen some of them to even Marquise Brown as well. I'd bet all of those go to Rashad Bateman because he's awesome in that area. I I don't know, though, if like – Things are going to diminish for Marquise Brown in terms of the areas that we care most about him. So if Lamar continues on his path of being the best he's been in his career, throwing the ball down the field, those high value air yards and those you know targets that matter more than anything else could still be there for Marquise Brown. And there's a chance that Rashad Bateman coming back just elevates the offense yep. as a whole, too. And we need to bake that in. As yeah. well. So like, I'm, I, it's great that in your basketball teams and your managed leagues that Marquise Brown's doing this for you. I did not expect it at all. I, as Hayden alluded to, I don't know if we can expect this type of top 10 numbers, but as a top 24 option, like a dependable top 36, that's much more in, in the realm of possibility for me than it was heading into week one. I just left on this one. I totally yeah, I, I would, I would sell top 24 Marquise Brown rest of the season. But I would probably buy... He was also options. drafted as the wide receiver fifty. Oh, signs. yeah. No,
1: oh, total, total smash if you got him. I was not on him like you. Um, but total smash if you drafted him. Yeah.
0: Okay. Tight ends. Let's close it out. Um, I'm just going to throw some names at you. All right? Yep. So on on the negatives, on the frustrating ones, we have the likes of Kyle Pitts. We have the likes of George Kittle. Maybe even Hunter Henry and, and Johnny Smith. Any of those names that stand out to you?
1: Kyle Pitts, he is the tight end three in routes, tight end four in fantasy usage. He is getting extremely unlucky. I think that bigger days are coming from him. I think that he's just like, be patient. Like you're getting the usage that you want. The offense doesn't look as good as you wanted it. But a lot of those like little inconsistencies that Kyle Pitts is going through right now, I think that he's somebody that like post-buy rookie bump, Kyle Pitts could be an absolute monster. So um, I feel pretty, pretty good about trading for Kyle Pitts if somebody's fully panicking on him.
0: I like that. And we're going to talk a lot about cow Pitts and a lot of these players again. Remember tomorrow in our post week four best ball report, our best ball check in here. That's with me, Leone Hayden, Eric for, and Peter Overzet. On the flip side, and let's close with this what about Noah Fant? What about Dawson Knox? What about Mike Kosicki, Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard? Some names that have put up a bunch of points in recent weeks.
1: Starting at the top, Noah Fant, I think, does have top five fantasy ceiling because he has a 20% target share. You don't really see that at this position. We know that he's actually good at the game. So when the Broncos are trailing points, which we did not see in the first three weeks, I think that we have a chance for Noah Fant to have some bigger weeks moving forward. Uh, Everybody in the chat right now, it's, uh, what about Dawson Knox? What about Dalton Schultz? Uh, Right now, Dawson Knox has a top eight fantasy usage and number eight in routes per uh, routes run per game. So that's pretty encouraging. I I was not expecting this um, to him to be top 10 in routes, but if that's the case and they're going to be using 11 personnel and not 10 personnel, then that makes Dawson Knox at least uh, upside tight end two right now.
0: And if we can dive into this a little bit more, I buy it. You know, this is a athlete who is drafted outside of round three, which is what I really like to do at the tight end position who didn't have a lot of production there, but is kind of growing into that role and he's developing. And once we get into your third year in the NFL, this is about the time when tight ends really start to share like their true colors or develop uh, a little bit more. And when like, I don't know how much have you looked into his, his slot snap rate in terms of detached from the line of scrimmage? Cause I think that's something we maybe need to dive into next week because it's an offense that has so many of these pass catching weapons that just being an athlete with, again, open space and, and running the seams who can, you know, catch the ball and run in a straight line and is fast for the position. That's interesting to me at a position where we can't say that often, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that he probably is pretty legit and he might be like this year's Logan Thomas, where it's like doesn't always look pretty, but he's going to be he's going to have the routes and he has um like some red zone equity, obviously, with the Bills, So. Uh, maybe it's all that hand-eyed coordination stuff that he was doing this off season. That's making him kind of turn the corner here. So I I'm with you. I think that knocks over Dal- Dalton Schultz. Um, but I think that Dalton Schultz deserves um, some tight end one, two love as well for the time being, at least until Michael Gallup is out because he's tied in 19 in routes, a lot of uh, two tight end sets for the Cowboys right now. And for whatever reason, he's the one that's just getting a bunch of the targets. And it, last week we saw the, for the first time all season, uh, well, a couple of things. Dalton Schultz fumbled like five times in a row, which is yeah. unbelievable. Uh, but three on one drive, basically, yeah, it was it was insane. But even with that, uh, Blake Jarwin only ran like ten routes, and uh, Dawson or not, Dawson, uh, Dalton Schultz was like at twenty five. And usually, it was like 50-50. Last week was the first time where we actually saw Dalton Schultz running more routes than Blake Jarwin.
0: I can't explain the Dalton Schultz getting all the targets instead of Blake Jarwin necessarily because they just ran a whole bunch of tight end screens and then he yes. got the ball like kind of funneled to it was wild,
1: but it was wild. Well, there was one play where they were both lined up out wide near near the <laughs> and it the, went the, to him. Yeah, well, and Blake Jarwin ran the the chip route for Dalton Schultz, so like that was enough for me to be like, all right, they had the option. One of them was chipping the other, and they wanted to throw the ball to the better receiver. And at that point, that told me Dalton Schultz over Blake Jarwin. Like the rest is history.
0: Quickly on on Dawson Knox, uh just 53 slot snaps this year, 123 in line and 23 out wide. So he's playing a lot of in line, but still when you have that spacing and getting yeah. him down the seam, that that works too. Dallas Goddard made some incredible plays. You're gonna watch that game, Hanging on to some really, really difficult receptions when a lot of other tight ends would uh would drop them. But yeah, in in that vein of again, Knox and and Conklin and C.J. Uzoma, who didn't even talk about. I think rest of season. If I had to bank on one, I think I'm going Dawson Knox with that group. But.
1: I'll throw in Jared Cook, tight end, thirteen points yeah, like per that. game, and tight end, thirteen fantasy usage, running more routes than Donald Parham, and he's attached to Justin Herbert.
0: Fucking hate tight ends during midseason. Okay, thank you everyone for being here. Thanks for making the chat so lively today. Talking to you, my mood. You Ryan, you Chris, you Tony, you Scamper's, as always. Wesley, thanks for being here. Hope you all are here tomorrow again for that best ball check-in. We're going to you know, evaluate all the strategies from the summer, talk about what's going right, what's going wrong, and use that and implement that for Best Ball Resurrection, which is up on Underdog right now. You get a free $10. Skip the guacamole. Come at me, big guac. Put it in and deposit it. And you get a free 10 bucks out of Hayden's pocket. Use promo code the show or try that on Pick'em. You know, the stuff that you love on Thursdays and Sundays and Monday nights. If you're listening to the podcast feed, you made it to the end. You're incredible. Appreciate those five-star reviews. Everyone that's here liking and subscribing. See you tomorrow for our bonus show for Hayden. I am Josh up the villa. Talk to you all soon. See ya. (music)